In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland! <laughs> Terrible, I know. Stop laughing, Paul. <laughs> so, there's no Paul. We're running right without him, um, which means, hey, it is, might be slightly less funny, but probably slightly more intelligent. Um, <laughs> he's probably not going to listen. If he does, I'll get an angry message. Sorry, Paul. You know I love you. But um, we've brought in reinforcements. So, we'll start with, it's me and my boy, Ian, right, right, right. How are we doing, Ian? I'm doing good. I'm actually in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I went from Chicago, Illinois to First Energy Stadium yesterday. Now I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, doing a little scouting on the Steelers, right? Exciting times. Uh, they looked all right against the uh, Giants. Bit slow start, well, but they, they I feel got like there. everybody's going to look good against the Giants. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and then we brought in good friend of the show. We haven't had him on in a while. We've got John Colosimo, does some writing at Waiting for Next Year podcast with the amazing lads at nothing but the dogs how are you doing john hey everything feels good on a victory uh friday right guys it does have my lack of sleep so uh i, I am looking <laughs> forward to sleeping after this but uh no it, yeah, sleep it, when you're dead. it was phenomenal what a game um that, that's the most important stuff it, it was just really really good fun i was ready for a snooze fest um i wasn't that optimistic that it would be a great result and I'd feel comfortable and positive about the Browns. Um, I thought we'd win still, but um, no, feel really, really good. So uh, no, I'm full of joy. How was it for you, Ian, being there, one of the 6,000? You know, I'm going to take this second. I I DM'd JW earlier. Um, So I just want to say thank you very much to the Browns, to the state of Ohio, to Governor DeWine, everybody who allowed fans to go. So we had the privilege of sitting in the dog pound. My brother and I went uh, with a couple other buddies. And the experience that they gave was fantastic. So from the time you got to the stadium, everybody was professional. They were polite. You know, everybody made sure that they were smart about wearing their masks, you know, staying safe. Because ultimately, we were on a national spotlight. You didn't want to embarrass yourself. Um, the Cleveland police officers were fantastic. They were very kind, you know, understanding if you're having a sip of beer or eating some peanuts. Um, in the dog pound, every other row had kind of this white tape on it, and it stretched from one end to the other. Now, the first thing we thought is, oh, they don't want somebody sitting in this until there was a genius who I think was about five or six beers deep figured out these are drums. So what it was is since the, uh, the membrane was so tight, you could bang on these things and make an insane amount of noise. Um, So the 6,000 fans in attendance, the experience was fantastic. The stadium staff was fantastic. During a timeout, you could get a beer, go to the bathroom, get back to your seat. It it was like a luxury VIP experience being in a 60,000 seat stadium with 6,000 people. No wait for hot dogs, brats, beers, right up and in. It was almost as good as watching it in your house. I can't lie fantastic job by the Browns. Jimmy Haslam, thank you very much. 
JW, thank you very much to everybody that was involved. And most importantly, thank you to all the stadium people who by far made it a great experience for those of us in the stands. Aside from, I guess, some people got into a brawl. I got that video sent to me like 30 times a day. How the hell are you fighting? <laughs> I bet they're arguing over like our, our third special teams unit or something. The damn Tavier Thomas, he can't cover shit. <laughs> How was your <laughs> evening, John? Than he can. Was it I mean, it was good. It was good. Uh, yeah, I cracked a few. I upset my dog screaming. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, there were ups, there were downs, uh, but definitely a lot more ups than downs. And it was just great to see Baker Mayfield firing that ball like I haven't seen him do since 2018. Yeah, and, and that takes us on nicely because we're going to start with the offense because, quite frankly, it's the only thing anyone really cares about. And it's the only thing that matters. Don't tell the defensive people or the special teams people you're less important. But it's true. <laughs> so um, we'll start with Baker. It looked like rookie Baker, um, phenomenal, back to his best. Um, how would you compare it, John, to what we sort of saw last week, saw last year? And how do you feel now moving forward sort of with Washington on the horizon about Baker Mayfield and the Baker Mayfield experience? I've been big on the fact that his problem uh, coming into last year, throughout last year, into week one has been about confidence. And I mean confidence in what he's seeing pre-snap, what he's seeing post-snap, in uh, the protection that he has, you know, just everything uh, about him he has not been confident. And everything that he's been doing wrong, I think, stems from that. The inaccuracy, the, you know, the, the fleet feet, you know, um, bailing on clean pockets, all that kind of stuff stems direct. Because we know Baker is accurate, okay? Like, that, that's not a question. We know Baker is an accurate quarterback. So when he is inaccurate, even for 17 games, well, maybe not the entire 17 games, but for the most part, we know that there's, that's a symptom of something. It's a symptom of something. And, you know, I think what we're seeing is, you know, in short order, amazingly, um, in starting to get the system and starting to understand where that next read is so you don't have to, you know, throw your hands up in the air and try and run the ball if your first read isn't open. So, you know, all I've wanted to see for the last year plus a game is a confident baker because a confident baker is a lot of fun for everybody to watch. And, uh, and that's what we saw. So to me, you know, uh, it's good to see him in two games in this system, which it took Kirk Cousins, what, four games, you know, to really kind of settle down. And, and he was a veteran who, you know, had a lot of, you know, good game reps behind him coming into it, you know. So uh, I think after two games, it's just, it's good to see um, him starting to calm down. And I don't, you know, obviously week one was a huge low. <laughs> week two, pretty big high. Um, and uh, so I don't know what to expect in game three, but I'm seeing a lot of core competencies with this whole offensive unit. And if, if we get even half of what we got from Baker yesterday, uh, this, this offense is going to hum. Uh, it can't be too bad in week three. We're playing a football team without even a name. So uh, how organized <laughs> can they be? <laughs> Ian Baker, is, is, no. it the, is it the real deal yet? You know, it was one of those things where I think John nailed it. Baker, it's like when Baker got his groove back, you know, Baker got his swag back. The, the best way I can kind of attribute it to maybe, you know, people that have a hard time understanding 
how does Baker go from a guy who can thread the needle to a guy that misses by a couple yards? So for all of you that are, you know, baseball players or golfers or when you try too hard. So if I have a seven iron and I want to hit it five, 10 yards further than I'm trying, I try too hard. My mechanics go off. I either spray it right. I hook it left. I duff it. Anytime you try to do something harder that's outside of your natural rhythm, things will suffer. And last night, I thought Stefanski did a fantastic job of getting Baker into that early rhythm. Those first two boots right off, pristine passes right on the mark. I mean, that one, I think he hit Hodge, uh, was just a fantastic throw. Once he got that confidence, and you heard him pregame talk about he was so much more confident in his protection this year, I think in Baltimore, he looked at it and said, my protection's pretty legit. This Baltimore defense is legit. And as we all saw, he had some clean pockets. So now he's going into week two without that doubt in his mind that I have to worry about Jedrick Wills or I have to worry about my right tackle. You know, so he was able to stand in there, just get comfortable, deliver some of those balls. I mean, even the ball he threw to Beckham off of that boot. I mean, that ball's out there. It's perfectly placed. We've seen him miss that throw a few times. But when he starts getting going, he looked like a top 10 QB in the league yesterday. He really did. Yeah, and uh, you touched on that. The O-line was absolutely phenomenal for another game. They were great week one. They were great again. Obviously, now we've got um, Jack Conklin out and future Hall of Famer uh, Chris Hubbard, uh, superstar <laughs> of last season, came in and lit it up. Um, and j- just PFF pulling out the numbers. Average time to throw, Joe Burrows, 2.4 seconds. Baker Mayfield, 3.38. That's, a, that's crazy to have a whole nother second to um, sit there, diagnose what's going on, and get that ball out is a massive world of difference. Obviously, some play action pass and stuff in there, but um, and then the the other side is play script allowed uh, the Browns D line just to hit off on Burrow because we knew it was a pass. If it's empty, you just send everyone. Um, Burrow could still run it, which he did, um, but no, it was a phenomenal performance by the O line again, um, and I, I've been really impressed. Obviously, Wills is slightly behind the rest, but he's a above what you'd expect for a rookie left tackle in the first round. So um, it's one that the balance is nice. Um, next is running backs. Touch on the running backs, guys. I, I, it, it's not often I put them before the receivers, but I'll give them their choose. They did the job. Bengals were obviously missing their two starting defensive tackles, but they went off with a bang. Chubb to start with, and then Kareem Hunt just run all over them at the end. It, it was it, Talk about kicking someone when they're down. We'll run the clock out. No, we you're that bad at run defense, we'll just run for another touchdown. It was uh, it was brutal. Now, and, I'll, and I'll say, you know, it's – I expected this coming into the season. I don't know if I expected it quite this early uh, in terms of the offensive line gelling like this. Um, but Chubb is made for this game. And it's – you know, we're only seeing the beginning. And it's, it's pretty fun to watch uh, a guy with Chubb's vision – um, and an offensive line that's that's playing as well as it is, which that's just a credit to Callahan, um, you know, especially with the shortened uh, offseason, no preseason, all that kind of stuff. Um, you, you can't say – got to ha- – hats off to him. But uh, it's beautiful to see uh, Chubb be able to execute his vision, you know, uh, behind these lines. Uh, they're doing some pretty creative things um, with the run game. And, uh, and then you got Kareem Hunt coming in there and, you know, I'm – I mean, it's just a fact. We have two of the best in the league, and um, it's nice to have that kind of luxury. While we can do it on this roster, 
let's run it out. You know, uh, it won't always be this way. We won't always be able to afford to do this, but for now we need to have fun with, uh, with, with guys like this while we can afford them. So yeah, it's been a blast and I can't wait to watch these guys all season do it. When it comes to the running backs, I don't know if you saw this or not, Jack, but uh, Joe Banner tweeted out, Kareem Hunt may have gotten one of the worst player contracts uh, in NFL history <laughs> in terms of a running back. So I know you had pointed that out earlier this week that, wow, what a team-friendly deal uh, Kareem Hunt's on. But, you know, I think the run game comes down to a couple things. And for all of you that are on Twitter, make sure to go over to Jeff Schwartz's Twitter. And mm-hmm. he did a little bit of a two-and-a-half-minute write-up uh, video segment on the counter t- uh, strategy that Kevin Stefanski and Bill Callahan drew up. So in essence, to not tip off, the summary is the, to not tip off the run game instead of pulling the right guard, they're using Janovich and the left guard to open up a wider hole in terms of the counter play. And where you see that is, you know, in the PFF scores, just to give people an idea of the five highest rated Browns in terms of the PFF run blocking, Number one, Wyatt Teller. So that big, big hole that we had at right guard, you know, he finished with, an, I think, an 84 in his uh, run block. Then next you had Andy Janovich. So you, that fullback, the Tony, you know, the Tony Grossi fullbacks out there, and then followed closely by Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader, and Austin Hooper. So you have a tight end, a fullback, and your three interior linemen all rated as your top five run blocking guys. That's how you pave the way for Kareem Hunt to touch the ball 10 times, end up with over 100 yards total offense, and Nick Chubb to have over 20 carries and 125 yards of rushing. So when you have contributions like that from your big uh, big boys up front, you're going to have a productive day running the football. Yeah, no, you touched on the Hunt deal. I think we'll go through it in podcast uh, during the week. Um, we've obviously got nothing to chat about this weekend because the, the game's already done. Um, so we'll go through it there, but it's insane. The fact that he signed that deal is ridiculous. The, the, the money looked okay because it was similar to the Austin Eckler deal, but once you get into the actual terms and the fact it's roster bonuses, we could basically tell him to piss off after this year and walk away with no dead cap. So uh, crazy, crazy deal. Um, but no, Andrew Berry, you're a beautiful man. Um, hey, next- Andrew Berry, the youngest GM in NFL history to win a game. There it is. He's in the record books. <laughs> The, the next one to flip to is obviously the receivers. I'll just throw tight ends and wide receivers in together. Um, who would have predicted to start the season? The best receiver on the roster is Kadaro Hodge. Pfft, crazy, crazy world. Um, I was shocked when he was out there on the field at any time. And uh, he's actually doing all right. So, um, no, uh, whichever one wants to jump in first, Kadaro Hodge is better than Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. combined. You should see John's face. He, he's laughing so hard he had to mute himself. <laughs> now, we all know Jack is the, the savant of PFF, and I think there's the, the hubris that's going on there. But, uh, John, what do you think of the receiving core? You know, uh, I think they're starting to get it, you know. Um, but at, at the same respect, you know, when they looked at the, the, the all 22 for everybody non-PFF finally dropped, um, I think we knew that there was a lot of open guys last week too. Um, so, um, this is really week two of these guys getting opened. No, I didn't expect Hodge to, uh, even, you know, figure into this offense at all. You know, um, 
let alone, you know, make a couple of these nice plays. And yeah, it was nice to not see any drops. These guys were where they were supposed to be. Um, you know, it was nice to see Odell Beckham flash, um, you know, and, and which he could have done in week one too. You know, there was a couple of things. And, and even this week, uh, as good a game as he had, um, you know, he, he got pulled on that, uh, that missed, uh, that missed penalty. Um, you know, and I still would like to see a little bit more slants, you know, Baker's fantastic at slants. Beckham is fantastic at slants. That's something I'd like to see them work in a little bit more. Um, but it was nice to see, uh, the receivers, uh, just basically perform and do what they're supposed to do. I mean, I, I think that's basically, I, I don't have a ton great to say. I think they just did their jobs and uh, we started to get to see a little bit of the Odell Beckham that you give up those kind of picks and those players for in the first place. So nice to see finally. Yeah. Some cool things I saw about the receiving course. So the Browns ran a total of about, I think 58 plays on offense and Odell Beckham snap count was 39. Jarvis Landry's was 35 and Kadero Hodge was 33. So you're talking about under 67%. Odell would have been at 67% of the snaps where we had a wide receiver on the field. Now, a lot of that obviously is, is us going into those big packages towards the end of the game. Um, but just Odell's ability to open up so many things. You know, so on those levels concept, when Baker runs that boot and you have the underneath where one time he hit Janovich, you have Hodge sometimes running the middle route, and then you have Odell going deep. Each receiver has a role. Now, what I really found odd is that Kadero Hodge is pretty much locked up the number three receiver. It's not Hollywood Higgins. I mean, I don't know what Hollywood Higgins' snap count was, but in terms of on offense, I didn't see him out there. I think he was I out there either. for special teams. But Kadero Hodge, and Jack, we've talked about this in the past with Stefanski's usage of personnel sets. Um, and I'll be curious when they have full numbers. I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch to get all the 21s, 22s, 12s, and 11s out. But for the most part, you know, the Browns were out there and, you know, one wide receiver, two wide receiver sets, you know, half the time. Um, Austin Hooper, the guy only had two catches, but clearly making an impact in the running game. You know, Harrison Bryant had a big catch late down. Um, I think he was out there for about 30 snaps. Steven Carlson almost, he almost had, I think it was, was it Bryant or Harris or Carlson they were looking for on the touchdown that got picked. But, you know, the tight ends Hooper, are going to play in it. I think. Which one was it? I think it was Bryant. Right. Yeah. So the tight ends are going to play a role in this offense. There's no doubt about it. And they're being used. But when you start getting contributions like you are from Kadero Hodge in the run game as well, I mean, I know he had a pretty impressive, uh, you know, just out there doing what he can. So I like it. I like where the receiver core is going. It's great utilization. Yeah, so according to PFF, Higgins was out there for five snaps and they were all run-blocking snaps. So uh, he wasn't <laughs> out there at all as it really as a wide receiver, um, which is crazy considering where we were predicting it, looking at like roster breakdowns before the cut to 53. Um, no, and it's one that we sort of expected because looking at the Vikings, even though tight ends were a big part of the offense, they weren't actually really part of the targets at all. Um, it's more or less 50% of targets last year was going to wide receivers in Minnesota. And then it was just 25-25. The targets were running backs and tight ends. So um, we were always expecting, even though they're on the field less, still a massive part in the wide receivers. Um, any other parts adding to the offense? I know we've only got John for a little while, so thank you very much for jumping on. Um, any other bits to add? And then we'll, me and Ian will cover the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, I think overall just the offensive line, we've, we've touched on a little bit. You know, that big hole that we had at right guard, Wyatt Teller stepped in two back-to-back performances. As I think he was uh, one of the higher-rated guards last week as well, if not number one, number two. Um, so just a great job out of him, really seizing the moment with uh, Bill Callahan and performing. I know he got a little that penalty. I'm still not 100% sure that was a penalty, but it is what it is. Uh, O-line's doing a great job, and the reason the offense is working, it starts right there with those five guys. Absolutely. And, you know, Stefanski and his play calling has been, uh, you know, not everything has worked. You know, obviously we've had some things uh, – a little bit of a hiccup at the, I'd say, the goal line last night, uh, and uh, and things like that. But I think Stefanski has been masterful in his uh, in his play calling, and uh, and I mentioned this on my, on my pod is um, it's good to see that he's doing so well, and nothing else is suffering for it. You know, these guys are playing very well. We're two games into a season with a nothing off season and a brand new offense. You know, Stefanski, you know, there were a lot of people worried, like, you know, should he really have that uh, play calling duty, um, you know, on his plate, those types of things. And nothing has missed a beat, you know, like how many times have you guys complained about, uh, you know, a play call coming in with three seconds left on the play clock or, you know, or, or things like that, or the, or the challenge flags yesterday, things like that. Like this thing is pretty well oiled for the second game of the season. Yeah, that's, that's an absolute phenomenal point. I pointed that out yesterday to my brother. I said, man, that offense just looks like it knows what the bleep it's doing. And you're right. The play calls have kind of all matched and to almost, I, I, I was kind of thinking about this yesterday. You know, you have, we used to have, the third preseason game was kind of the, the fine tune up. And then the fourth preseason game was kind of everybody lays off the foot, but every preseason game always ended on a Thursday. And then you have a following a week and a half till Sunday to generally kick off the season. So I'll be really curious to see with a full week, they got two games under their belt now coming back in, you know, next Sunday to play against the Washington football team. I'm curious to see if they take that next step because you're now building off of this tape let some of the guys heal up. There's rumors out there that we're going to have quite a few defenders back. So I'll be curious to see this, uh, this new Feds Browns defense. I agree. So John, give everyone your Twitter handle. Make sure you do go listen to nothing but the doctor's podcast. Those guys are really good and throwing loads of stats and other stuff, which uh, is always a fun listen. Yeah. You guys can find me at, at Jay Cosmo. Um, and you know, we do nothing but the dogs podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. Sorry I got it about a little early. I would have loved to spend another half hour on it. Um, but you guys have a good time and uh, catch me online. See you soon, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks, guys. So, Ian, we're over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put one stat out there first. This was the most browns solved stat I've ever heard, but it was actually for the Bengals for a change. So, oh, God, no. What do we have? Favorite stat of the night. The Bengals ran seven plays starting at the Browns' eight-yard line, and they ended up on the Browns' nine-yard line. <laughs> yes! There it is. Championship! And uh, it, just before, well, one little last point to finish on the offense. Um, so there was lots of Browns fans riding off on Stefanski when he made the decision to go for it on fourth and goal from the one-yard line. One, and, one, and, one and, half. and a half, yeah. And... Then they were going wild at how great Miles Garrett was able to like get a sack within the five yard line. It's like those two things linked. 
Yeah. Miles Garrett isn't getting a sack where Joe Burrows is panicking because he stood there and he knows if he gets touched, it's going to be a safety um, and running around like a rabbit in headlights. It's part of that mindset. You're, you're keeping the win probability of getting a team penned in at like, uh, Don't say that word analytics or we're going to get, we're going to lose, you know, 500 subscribers. No, I was using the word win probability. It's yeah. Like the, the more sexy yeah. version. Well, and that's the, we talk about it all the time because a lot of people are just terrified of the word. The reason in the third quarter with eight minutes to go, you do that is because you say, Hey, Joe Burrow rookie on the road Thursday night. Oh, and by the way, my D line has been whooping your ass all day. And by the way, I have miles Garrett who, if you even hold him a yard into this snap, there's a safety. And now, Joby, get your ass back behind that line. Don't be screwing it up. But, yeah, you're 100% right. The reason he can do that is because he looks at those guys. I almost guarantee when that fourth down play came off, he looked at the defensive line and said, we don't get it, I want the ball back. You fire him up and you say, hey, let's go. Yeah, no, because you can tell, you're giving the message to the offense that I believe in you guys. You guys have got this. We're going to score a touchdown. And then you can turn around to the defense and go, look, if they don't get it, I believe that you're going to pen them back and you're going to get a safety. And that is just something where you can motivate both sides of the ball. You're not telling anyone that we, we don't believe in you. Um, because if that, that's what you're effectively doing, we don't believe in the offense, let's kick three points. Oh, we don't believe the defense can pen them in if this goes wrong. It's like, it's a defeatist attitude. Go out and tell the players, you guys are awesome, we believe in you. And that's it's the amazing. mentality I want. Stefanski today, why did you go for it? Because sevens are better than threes. <laughs> no shit, really? We're, we're so, well, that's the thing is, Browns fans almost have Stockholm Syndrome, right? Well, let's just get three because... It's the safe thing to do. Belichick's going for it. Andy Reid's going for it. How many times do you see the Chiefs go for fourth and one at midfield? And then Love if it. they don't get it, as they're walking off the field, the offense is going, hey, defense, can you help us out? Get us that ball back. Two plays later, is an interception. 70 yards later, Mahomes has a touchdown. That's what winning teams do. Grab it by the cojones and let's go. So, yeah, I have absolutely no problem with it. Now, if it's the fourth quarter and there's six minutes and it's a tie game, like it was um, – was it the Bengals game last week where they passed up on the field goal in the fourth quarter to tie it up? And I was like, what the hell? There was one of the games I was like, that one I would have kicked. But with a, over a quarter and a half, you go for that. There was one game where they could have kicked it to draw, but then you go to overtime and then there's the risk of like you lose the coin toss and then you might not even get a touch on the ball. So it's one where um, I remember it happened in a London game um, where they went for it. Um, they could have kicked for the extra point to go to overtime or go for two. And they attempted the two and I, th I think they did get it. Um, but it's, it's the right call because the numbers say you're more likely to convert an, a uh, two point conversion, which is like yeah. 55, 57% of the time. Um, whereas obviously if, if you've got the kick at 95% and then you've got the other risk, um, you're less likely to win. So um, yeah. it, that's one way you get to into closer. Win and I think I saw a stat, Last year in the NFL, teams going for it on fourth and one got it like 68 or 69% of the time. So it's not unheard of. No. It's like the uh, NBA with three-point conversions. They didn't used to do them. Now everyone is just lighting them up. And uh, it's going to be that way with two-point conversions. Go for it on fourth. Uh, we're going to see more and more of it as teams get smarter. And uh, we could be one of the people breaking the mold. Yeah. Speaking of coaching, um, there was about two minutes, a little over two minutes left first half. Browns go down, 
and they're just milking the clock since he's burning all their timeouts. So the Browns end up, so I believe they scored a touchdown. I think that was the one. Yeah. They, yeah. Cause they didn't make a field. So they score the touchdown. They don't give Cincinnati much time at all. And in my head, I'm like, the Browns still have three timeouts. And there was like a minute 35. And I'm like, if Stefanski can pull off the old touchdown, make them go three and out or use up a timeout to get the ball back, then get another field goal and the ball back. Only Belichick ever can double dip the double dip. And I was, we were one three and out away from having a double dip of the double dip. And I'm like, this is what they're playing for. Yeah, no, just rack up more points. Give me more points. I want all of them. And um, I think the biggest part of last night was on defense, if we start there. There's two players I particularly want to focus on, but we'll start with the D-line first. Miles Garrett. That that was insane, that game. It it was nuts. When you have the abilities he does. At one point, I almost felt bad for their offensive linemen. Miles Garrett, first of all, on the strip sack, I'm not even sure he thought he would have such an easy time beating that, that right tackle. I mean, he had like beat him and was inside. was like, wait, where's the chip? And he was like, okay, fine. Give me that ball. Like it was insane. His ability to just absolutely wreak havoc on the, on five men and what they're trying to do is just insane. I don't think I've seen anything, you know, outside of, you know, you start looking at some of the other pass rushers around the league, but I don't think the Browns have had somebody of his caliber rushing the passer in my lifetime. Yeah. And we go to the other guy on the secondary, um, Denzel Ward, just phenomenal. And the, the, the issue Denzel Ward has um, in the first two games is he seems like he's done a really, really good job. But it's partly because he's doing well. But then you look at it and it's like, if you're a quarterback, who are you throwing at? Denzel Ward or Tavaria Thomas? It's, uh, it's, it's not a tough choice. So, um, it, and, that, and that's nothing on Thomas's fault. If you add in a Greedy Williams that can perform to the level he can, if you add in a Kevin Johnson, you add in a Grant Delpit, we're talking about three of the f- five star- starters in a uh, nickel package are not on the roster. Do you think Greedy Williams is going to take over Money Mitch's uh, second quarterback slot? Because right now I think Kevin Johnson is the bigger miss because Tavier Thomas in that slot, I think he was targeted 10 times. There was nine completions, and the one that wasn't was the dropped uh, touchdown by Tyler Boyd in the end zone. So clearly that was Zach Taylor's focus to go right after him. Yeah, so I I think Money Mitch, the fact that he was phenomenal um, yesterday, he he was as good as – uh, Denzel Ward, according to PFF. Um, so he, he really did the business, um, did really well. I, who knows? If, I don't know what they think of Greedy. Um, obviously, wasn't great last year, but does have a lot of upside. Um, if they're playing a lot of man, then Greedy is a really good guy to have. But um, I, I'm happy just to be rich at cornerback. Um, well, Jake Trotter put out there, AJ Green lined up against Denzel Ward for 16 routes. He got seven targets, two receptions, 14 yards. It's uh, pathetic. I was sat there with a uh, a mate who needed 50 yards out of AJ Green for a uh, fourfold, and uh, mm. Dental Ward was just destroying that bet. Oh, he was just snatching the life for him. But I will say there was a there was a moment I had to give a hat tip to Money Mitch. So first play of the game, they throw that deep ball to AJ Green along the sidelines. And to be fair, I'm not even 100 percent sure how they thought that that was a catch. 
So green goes sliding out of bounds. The whole stadium knows it. So Muddy Mitch is looking at the ref like, you got to be kidding me. He turns, looks up at the scoreboard, sees the replay one time, throws his hands up, and starts walking back by himself to the original line of scrimmage, pumping up the dog bot. He doesn't look again. He watched it one time and walked – there was everybody else down where the ball went, and then Money Mitch was down at the original line of scrimmage by himself pumping up. So the swag that he had, he had a great game. You know, just things like that, building the confidence will be great. But, yeah, we desperately need that slot corner. Yeah, and um, one thing, obviously, it's not to do with the game, but Mac Wilson news. So I, I sent it to a couple of people yesterday when I saw his list on the inactives, and my first response was, why the hell is he on IR? Um, he must be coming back before the third game because the sensible thing was to do, you put him on IR, he then can come back after the third game. So the only reason you don't put him on IR because you're not capped with how many people you bring back is if you expect him to play in week three. And it was just like when it's a six to eight week injury and he was out, what, three weeks ago? Um, so like a week before the season started, it was like, it's not mathematically sound for him not to be on IR. So it was a really, really weird one, but it, it's good because I'm not overhyped on him. He didn't have a really good rookie year at all. But the question we need to know by the end of this year, out of all of these linebackers, and BJ Goodson isn't the answer, looks good in camp, he's not there. Um, Malcolm Smith's impressed. Um, Tacky Tacky's been okay. Um, he struggled a little bit yesterday. I think he got washed. The linebackers overall, you're right. And, you know, it's more about what Mac Wilson's potential is, not necessarily what he's shown us already. Um, so definitely, yeah, anybody who's – I'm not even sure how the question asked. Clearly, they're under the impression that those guys are going to play against Washington. The, the I almost bet the theory is if this was like a championship-level game, many of them could have been ready. But the thought is – We've got two games in five days, rest. They're going to – I almost expect them to be full participants in practice come Monday. That's just my theory. And then from there, they're all going to be ready to go in week three. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get full snap counts, but it makes no sense for them not to play in week three because you would have just IR'd them. Yeah. And, and it's one that – it's about just finding – is there anything in the linebacker room? It might be the case by the end of the season, we're like, no, none of these guys are good enough. And that's fine. But you need to know that answer. And it's, it's about finding answers in certain position rooms this season. Obviously, the, the biggest question is Baker and is Baker the guy? We won't know that until the end of the season. But the linebacker is sort of the one room that we don't know if we need to blow it up or we've got three pieces and we need to add a fourth. Um, it's one where it's going to be really, really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but no, I, I think the defense did quite well. Um, unfortunately, yes. I think he had six fourth downs and converted every single one of them. I don't, I haven't seen stats compared to how impossible that is or unlikely to be created. But you can look at that and you almost think, how often is a team facing fourth down? Um, and that that's a success in itself, getting to fourth down. Obviously, it was a shambles once it got there, but getting there is an achievement and that's something that should be noted considering it is such a weak secondary at the moment and um, they were still able to do good stuff it just wasn't great yeah it's a it's a 100% a good point were there some holes yes and the the just the the law of averages tell us if I keep throwing at one person that's struggling on a fourth and six 
more than likely you're going to convert it. But at 100%, you know, we get a sack or, you know, Mixon, what did Mixon have? 46 yards rushing? So in two weeks, we held the Ravens to low yards rushing and Mixon to low yards rushing. So the Browns' rush defense seems to be pretty damn good. I can tell you I had 16 attempts because I was betting on over 17 and a half. <laughs> oh, that's right so, up there. By the way, I had Browns minus five and a half. I still have not seen a replay. That last touchdown that the Bengals scored in the garbage of garbage times, that second foot was not down. B.J. Goodson on the spot said that left foot did not get down or right foot didn't get down. I need a replay or else Vegas needs to refund me some money. No, it was, uh, it was horrible for the back door. Uh, betters just got destroyed. Uh, I was hoping they'd go for two. I'm like, go for two. Give me a chance. <laughs> but uh, no, it was one that um, it, the fact that they just couldn't get anything going in the run game, um, really, really positive because if a team's, they're behind, so obviously I don't want to use the run game too much, but it's nice to have it there as a fullback for a uh, rookie QB. 61 passing attempts for a rookie QB, uh, for any QB. It's just nuts. Um, First so, and off, I thought that hurt He them. got hammered. I mean, there's no way you want your rookie quarterback throwing the ball 61 times. I'd be curious how many times, what the hit hurries. I mean, I think we ended up with, what, four sacks? Four? Um, you cannot, he was getting leveled. I mean, Porter Gustin on the one just hammered him. I mean, he was getting lit up left and right. So, since yeah, you got to do a better job protecting your quarterback. Yeah. Unfortunately, the superstar of week one, uh, Larry O., who was the best interior defender in the NFL, better than Aaron Donald, um, who, according to some, can't defend the pass. ESPN, cough, cough, sort yourself out. Um, not the pass, the run, sorry. Um, yeah, that was a pretty terrible tweet. It was um, interesting to note that he wasn't great yesterday. Um, obviously, he probably got penalized due to the penalty quite heavily, but um, it's still one where he, he needs to match the consistency because the issue is... You, he's facing a year where is he going to be paid as a starter or paid as a backup? If he's paid as a backup, we probably might not want to keep him. The fact that, hey, he's probably going to play 40% of snaps might mean he can keep in as a backup, but he's not going to get the money he wants, which means he might move elsewhere. Well, you know, and with Ogan Joby, obviously we have Billings that's sitting on the, uh, the COVID list for this year. Sheldon Richardson was an absolute animal. Ogan Joby seemed like he was more effective this game in the run but really not much with the pass. So I'd have to, I'm going to go back and look, you know, Miles Garrett was getting double and triple teamed and you saw they had, you know, tight end help. They were chipping. I mean, anytime they were dropping back, they were trying to do everything they could for Miles Garrett. That's what helped Ogunjobi against Baltimore. So I'll be curious to see what happened on that one, because I mean, he played 70, 65, 75% of the snaps and he graded out all right in the rush defense, but his pass rushing was putrid. Yeah, Andrew Sindehu needs replacing as well as soon as we can uh, physically get that sorted. I think he that is, was the uh, grand Delphine there. He, uh, for, I don't, I didn't, it's hard to see in the stadium. Was his penalty on the hit? Did he lead with the helmet? I, no, I, I just saw the back of it. No, that, that one was, um, if I remember rightly, even the commentators were like, look, we get it why it's given, but it's like, it's not, it wasn't anything malicious. So the weird part about that is, is we, they were coming towards the dog pound at that point, And the guy who threw the flag was 35 yards behind the play. It was the back judge and Sendejo was coming straight at him. So I don't know how he would have seen that because I couldn't see it where I was at. And it was like, 
you can't really judge from the back where somebody's queuing someone up. So I thought there was some weak calls. I thought that Wyatt Teller one was weak. The guy was clearly coming in to make a tackle, and he bumped him from the front. That's not a personal foul. But, you know, I'm only bitter because I had minus five and a half. Fair enough. I do not blame you at all. Breaking Um, news, the uh, Rams have uh, extended wide receiver Robert Woods on a four-year, $65 million contract. Hey, wide receivers. Where do they get their money from? Because they they cut their running back before he even played a uh, one year on his new deal. <laughs> so you know, overall, I like the defensive line, and I actually we talk about Garrett Ogan Joby, um, and now Claiborne obviously went out with a hip injury, so we hope not that's not anything serious. But when you start getting contributions from Porter Gustin. From Adrian Claiborne, you know, OV was obviously out. So you're, you know, technically Claiborne is a backup. Um, And then you start getting contributions from Joe Jackson, from uh, what's his name? The guy we brought in, Vincent Taylor. You know, when you start putting together a rotational D line where, yes, Miles Garrett's going to have to come off, you know, every once in a while. But when the next wave of guys come in and they can be productive, that's a good thing. Now we got to get there are obviously probably top three corners in terms of Greedy, uh, Money Mitch, Denzel, and then obviously in the slot with Kevin Johnson. The safeties and the linebackers, kind of that middle deep, we got we to gotta, we gotta do something. I think losing Delpit's going to hurt more than we thought. Yeah, no, it's one that is the secondary part that's going to be fixed next year. It's um, one surprise in first where they invest a lot of money um, because the D-line's looking good. You only really need to replace – um, Richardson um, and um, Vernon along there next year and more or less everything can be just thrown at the uh, secondary um, bring in a big name safety um, and really go for it so um, it, it's going to be exciting um, I think yeah. one reason why they went light on sort of investing too heavily in the defense is the issue is and um there was a really good interview this week uh, by the ringer. I think it was Dan Kelly with Andrew Berry, um, just chatting about sort of his philosophy and where he's at. And he, he spoke about it's, it's about we need to know if the quarterback position is right um, because there's no point investing heavily into a team that you're not going into a rebuild because a rebuild is a big thing, whereas you're tweaking and you're, you don't invest into a position group where it doesn't make a great deal of difference for the next sort of this year and next year if you're uh, bringing in a new quarterback and you're going to have their first rookie year where it'll be yeah, a bit up and down. You save that money for their second season because that's when you really want to say, hey, this guy's great. Let's push for that Super Bowl ways on a rookie deal. So yeah, there's definitely that strategy there, 100%. Yeah. They want to know, does, is Baker the guy? Um, Jared Mueller wrote a great piece on it at the OBR. That is the one question the Browns need to answer this year. Everything else, they're little questions. Um, we're probably not going to see, hey, Baker's 100%, let's pay him. But Baker's looking really, really good. Let him play his fourth year and let's pay the guy partway through his fourth year when he's doing it, probably at the bye week or something, just bring him a boatload of money. What do, you, what do you think the Mahomes-Deshaun Watson deals do to the quarterback market? Because, for example, Baker Mayfield is not – Bob Patrick Mahomes. To be fair, he's not really Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson, he's probably a more accurate thrower, but Lamar Jackson in that offense is thriving. So how do you think the? It's not like we're going to pay him more than uh, Patrick Mahomes because he took his deal later. 
Where do you think the Baker contract falls? Do you think they'll be able to get him a reasonable non-Jared Goff, Carson Wentz deal, which, by the way, I believe Deep Odessa said Carson Wentz wasn't a franchise quarterback. And we're just saying, Carson, big money, ain't doing nothing. Yeah, his, his, his knees are worse than mine. <laughs> and uh, I gave up sport at the age of 10. Um, <laughs> so um, the way to look at the Patrick Mahomes deal is it's a five-year, $39.5 million deal. Um, and then you've got a five-year deal on the back end, which is 40 five million a year i think or it it's might big, be yeah. 50 whatever it is um but it, it's quite distinctively split into two and then watson actually got a much better deal than patrick mahomes um pushed it all the way up to 40 million he can then dip again in um four years time and he's going to blow mahomes out of the water um over the length of his deal uh, i get why mahomes did it not an issue but if it was about making money he, he, he didn't do it very well um, how you can say that about a guy that signed a half a billion pound check is uh, nuts, but that's unfortunately what the league is. Uh, there's so much money to be made moving down the line. So if we're saying sort of, I reckon Baker, if you wanted to extend him now, you, you have to wait till the end of the season, but on the level he's at, the quarterback market is very stagnant. There's not much wiggle room, but you could probably look at getting him for sort of the 35 million range. Um, if he has a great end of the year, if he plays like he did yesterday for the rest of the season, he's just going to go, hey, I'll have 40 million. Cheers. Um, it, it, there's no real differentiation. Whereas you've got position rooms like the edge rusher, cornerback, wide, wide receiver where you've got your elite and then you've got all these tiers down. Pretty much you've got with quarterbacks, you've got superstar. So put one, two, three quarterbacks maybe in that. Then you've got Everyone else slightly below it. Not much. We're talking like 3 million below. Then you've got your like Andy Dalton's. Your, um, yeah, he's not a star anymore. Backup spot starter guys. And that's what I don't, you know, when I look at Baker, I don't, he's not a tier one quarterback. He's a tier two kind of guy. He's not a top five. He's more of a five to 12, a six to 12 guy. You can't pay him that 40 million because He's, I mean, look what the friggin' Jags gave Nick Foles. I mean, come on now. That's just stupid. Like, I don't know what it's going to take to tear out that quarterback market. But if Baker goes in there asking for Deshaun Watson money, there's no way in hell you could give it to him. For me, I always, right now, I, should say. I always say, and it's the piece I wrote in the offseason, um, I only pay in a quarterback. And I, the word franchise quarterback gets thrown around of like, are we happy with this guy being our quarterback long term? For me, franchise quarterback needs to be someone that you consistently believe year on year will be a top 10 quarterback every single year. And there's not many that fit into that group. You're not actually talking about 10 quarterbacks in that group um, because you'll get ones where someone has a great year and then they're in and they're out. Um, Philip Rivers is a great example of he'll do one year in the top five and the next year is in the 10 to 15 range or even like the 15 to 20 range. Um, and it, it fluctuates too much. Whereas you want that this is a consistent guy. Um, three years out of four, he's going to be in the top 10. Um, so it's hard to prove for Baker. And that's for me why you let him play the next, this season and next season and then do a deal in, um, after his fourth season because it doesn't matter if you end up spending another three million a year for Baker's stuff. You've got to know, is Baker the guy? The, guy, yeah. um, the worst thing you can do is pay him and then you've got Jared Goff, Carson Wentz deal and you sat there with a thumb up your ass going, uh, uh, we'll reassess in three years' time because we can't do anything else. Yeah, and, it, and honestly, it makes the most sense because 
you know, if Baker's the guy, then you don't care. But at the end of the day, you feel more comfortable as a Browns fan with performances like yesterday than you do after the Ravens game. But I do want to watch every week. The more he sees these plays, the more he runs these plays, the more he sees them against coverages, when he becomes decisive like he was in 2018 and he just, with his swag, just throws it around, it just makes everybody else on the team better. That's what people don't get is when he's humming, the D-line's better. The linebackers are better. Everybody is better. So he's the catalyst. Yeah. And if Baker gets done, so say not this coming off season, next off season after his fourth deal, don't be surprised to see an extension for both Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry to time in at exactly that same time because you're just going to go, look, they're the three. Let's roll with it. And yeah. Miles Garrett's amazing. He, he's the, in terms of talent, take the positional value out of it. He's the best player on the Browns roster by country mile. Um, but the, he's not the key difference maker in terms of is your franchise competing for a Super Bowl or not. He's one that takes you from eight wins to eight and a half wins, which is massive. When you say half a win difference, that, that for one player, that is an incredible amount of difference. Um, so the key thing is make sure you have your quarterback, your GM, and your head coach all locked up. And yeah, if, if they do Baker, say, a four-year deal after year four, so that would be five in total, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Berry will probably get deals at the same time, and you'll just lock them all in. Um, and, that, and that's what the Chiefs did. They paid Patrick Mahomes the next person they went to sign. Wasn't a single player on the entire roster. They went straight for Andrew, Andy Reid. And, yeah, and Brett Veach, so they're all there. No, it's, it's definitely where we want to get to. And, you know, ultimately the most important thing about yesterday was win the game, get back to one and one. Now you got two games against the NFC East. Dallas isn't in a good shape right now, so I'm not looking too far ahead because we have a really, really, really good Washington D-line coming in in a week and a half. But, um, you know, realistically, I think we've covered pretty much everything with the defense. Special teams I took a lot of crap from because I gave them a high rating, even though we can't cover a kick to save our life. Listen, special teams is pretty simple, guys. We have a really good punter. We have a kicker before that couldn't make shit. We have a really good long snapper, okay? So, Prefer's going to get figured out this kick coverage thing. Punt coverage was fine for the one person out there that was telling me I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Listen, I know how to punt coverage works, okay? It's just kind of what I do. Um, we had one punt. We covered it well. The kick returns, I'm going to go back on the All-22 and just see who came out of the gap. I think it was Burns or one of the guys tweeted out that there was something, Costco maybe, uh, they saw a big issue with the way we were covering kicks. But I will just tell you, after the first touchdown, everybody cheered, and then everybody was like, oh, wait, we got an extra point coming. There was people shushing people in the dog pound for Cody Parkey. Straight down the middle it goes, and we erupt again. Everybody's beating on the drums going wild. So just making an extra point in Cleveland, instantly I believe you, Jack, t- uh, sent me a text that said, Parkey to the Hall of Fame. So – just make your extra points. Kick the damn ball out of the end zone. Let's get some touchbacks. Because outside of that, if you're covering punts while you're making extra points, you're not kicking the ball off out of bounds and you're just kicking touchbacks, you'll win special teams nine out of ten times. Yeah, and it's something I was chatting to John before we started the podcast about this and sort of the fact that there was issues with sort of kickoff coverage. Um, for me, I'm not worried because – I think if there's one position group on the entire roster that struggles with a lack of a preseason, it's your special teams unit. You can practice 
um, offense on defense and do all of that um, as a team. You can't really practice and drill special teams as well. It's more all on a whiteboard and then Prefa can see it in a game and then go, right, let's change all of this. This was crap. Um, let's do something else. So for me, that's one that's just going to take time. Um, and it's, it's not hard. Quite frankly, we've got good players on there. It's not like we're doing a roster churn. So in the past where we saw bad special teams under previous regimes, that, that's, that was fine because it wasn't about special teams. No, at no point were we like, do we care about this special team? Is Tavaria Thomas on the roster because he's a special team? Yes. Whereas the other days we were like, we, we just cycle through as many players as possible because we just want to find a gem or a guy that can be a rotational guy. Whereas now that sort of bottom seven, eight players on the roster, they're there as pure special teamers. We don't want them facing a snap. There's no plans. Poor old Thomas, my guy, once everyone's back, will never see the field on defense again. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's going to be a great special teamers. He'll probably get extended and we'll just keep him around on one-year deals where we'll pay him the minimum and he'll do what he does. And that's great. So Do what you do and do it really well. Yeah, they've got athletes in there and it'll all work itself out. So not too worried. Don't don't panic on that. As Ian said, the three things are important. Does the ball get snapped? Does the ball get kicked? Does the ball get punted? As long as they're all right, sod everything else. So that's why we won't spend too much time on the special teams. It's the, listen, prefer get it figured out. You got nine days. Figure out who it is that comes out of the gaps. And at the end of the day, Cody Parkey, just kick a touchback. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's partly design. I think prefer likes sort of toying with them. Um, I don't think he but, likes giving up 45 and 42-yard returns, though. No. So, but. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely going to be a good weekend for everybody. You know, we get to sit back, watch other teams play. Is there any other games this weekend that you're kind of looking forward to seeing? Or, you know, I know I had to give you – I had to hand you your first loss of the season in fantasy football. So, hopefully you're able to lick through the wounds on that one. Yeah, it was, it was filthy. A couple of injuries, and uh, he beats me by less than a point. Yeah, I had to get rid of my man Blake Jarwin too, so – uh, no, I think the Cowboys-Falcons game is going to be a good one. There should be some points scored in that one. I'm going to be curious to watch the Eagles and the Rams. The Eagles are favored at home, but I don't even know who the hell is playing offensive line for them, so I'm going to keep my eyes on that one. Uh, Steelers are uh, hosting the Broncos, so that one should be a decently okay game to watch. No interest in the Bears game against the Giants. Sorry to all my Chicago people. That game's going to be like watching paint dry. Um, Sunday night game, though, New England-Seattle. That'll be a good one. I cannot wait for that. I've got, I've got a mate that uh, when uh, the line came out, I, I've bet on a, uh, a parlay, to call it in the States, or an acre in the UK, um, w- with in it is uh, just money line, Seahawks to win. And uh, he was like, why are you betting against the Patriots? I'm like, because they suck. Yeah, and Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson is cooking. And he's just taking it as a complete shade. And um, quite frankly, I just I cannot wait if they just get absolutely destroyed. But I've got two different um, group bets. So I've got one where I've gone for more the favourites. So Seahawks money line, Saints money line, Chiefs minus three, Bucks minus three. So a nice little group bet there. Um, and then I've got the other one, which is Miami plus 10, Jacksonville plus 17 and a half, Minnesota plus eight, New York Giants plus 10 and a half, 
the Washington football team plus 13 and a half. So um, we call those teasers for all you gamblers out there. They're saying those aren't the lines. Those are his teaser bets. Yeah, I'm, I've turned into a bit of a degenerate. Uh, not betting as much as I did last year, but betting smarter. That's the way to always win. But yeah, no, I want to see Baltimore, Houston, uh, and then Seahawks, and then Monday night's obviously the Saints and the Raiders. So, no, some good slate of games. So, Browns fans, we took the win. You know, now we get to sit back and let everybody else play. So, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Fire up the red zone, get the wings on, get the, get the ribs cooked, get the nachos rolling. And yeah. I love Paul, it. Paul's going to make some spotted cow groin or whatever the hell else it is, some spotted dick. or So, just tune into his periscope. He'll be sauteing something. <laughs> But no, um, massive love. Any um, stuff you want to throw out there, um, I'm sure we'll jump on sometime in the next week. We'll have a look at the hunt deal. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, party we'll see. time. I'm sure there'll be some other roster moves coming up here as well, you know, with maybe a couple injuries. Hopefully, you know, Njoku's progressing back. But yeah, the Browns will stay interesting next week. So, you know, we'll, we'll jump on and give a little preview of the, the Washington Buckeyes. I mean, uh, Red, I mean uh, Washington football team, so. The, the Dwayne Haskins, Chase Young uh, duo coming to Cleveland. I've got stacks of Terry McLaurin everywhere in fantasy. Oh, so, uh, about team there. He, 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 he's legit. He is. All right. Get back to our regular scheduled program. Browns victory Friday. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.